Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside D. Lou, and we uh, are going to take a look here at the first week of the Chris Kleiman era at Kansas State. Uh, it's been an eventful uh, week here as he's been on the road a lot recruiting, of course, uh, coaching his North Dakota State team as they advance to the finals of the FCS playoffs. And we'll also talk a little bit of basketball, uh, a, a win that uh, against Georgia State that was a, a nice win, uh, unfortunately comes at a pretty costly price uh, with Dean Wade and Kamal Stokes suffering injury. So we'll, we'll talk about that and also look ahead uh, to K-State's two games this week, uh, one against the Southern Miss Golden Eagles and in the Sprint Center on Saturday night against the Vanderbilt Commodores. So a couple of games coming uh Coming your way this week with K-State. Both teams are uh, black and gold, too. How about that, huh? Hmm. That's uh, definitely something you want to keep an eye on. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, this game against Southern Miss could be kind of a bellwether. Well, you know what? Actually, we already have our bellwether because we already beat a black and gold team earlier this year. Yeah. The uh, Missouri Tigers. That's right. So I would expect K-State to coast in these games. Uh, We know how they fare against teams with this uh, color combination, and I would expect it to be no different uh, Wednesday or Saturday. Yeah, so we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit, and uh, we'll also, uh, of course, highlight another Wildcat legend and answer your questions and ask the icon. But without any further ado, I'm going to formally bring uh, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, D. Louie in here. Uh, D. Louie, how are we doing this, uh, this fine Tuesday evening? <clears throat> well, Icon, it's... Uh... I've never been better in my entire life. This is this is number one, and uh, it's just another great day of being a K State fan. Just emon around all day at work uh, when I got home, and continuing to emon now here with you, Chris. Well, uh, speaking of emon around, uh, Chris Kleiman was uh, doing a little bit of hopping around all over, uh, not only the state of Kansas. Uh, but also making it down to uh, to Louisiana as he uh, visited some some recruits down there. Uh, most of his work so far uh, as K State's head coach has been on the recruiting trail, which is someplace K State definitely needs him at right now. As um, as at the time of this uh, this podcast recording, national si- the early national signing day uh, takes place tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how that work had on the recruiting tail- trail this past week has paid off for him. Yeah, and it's it's crazy to to see him bounce around so much like he did on Saturday. I mean, if you've been following uh, K State recruiting for a couple years, and I pray that you have. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a real worthwhile endeavor. Right. The, it's you didn't see the head coach for K State take too many in home visits. Uh, I believe he had one scheduled with, uh, was his name, Will Honus? Was that the yeah, kid who committed to Nebraska where Bill was supposed to go down there and visit him? Uh, but had a, another arrangement, had another commitment come up that he, he couldn't make it down there. But to see. I believe, I believe he also, um, if memory serves me correctly, was did have an in home visit with uh, Zach Shackelford, uh, the center now at Texas. If, if memory serves me correctly, he did make that one. But uh, once Texas came in the uh, in the picture and offered a scholarship, uh, 
that was going to be a tough one to win. But go go ahead. Sorry. Right. No, go I'm on. just saying it's it's refreshing no, sure, to see sure. some energy you're, out you're, there you're, you're, your from stands. the top. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I was just impressed with the logistics of uh, visits in Kansas City that morning and then down with several guys in, in Louisiana and the bayou uh, in the afternoon. That's a full day, and it's uh, it's pretty impressive. And maybe it's – I'm sure it's commonplace. It is. But it Absolutely. certainly hasn't been commonplace in uh, in Manhattan. No, it certainly hasn't, and that's a, that's a great point that you bring up. It uh, K-State has long neglected the recruiting trail in terms of really being – an aggressive uh, fixture on that recruiting trail. So it, it's nice to see us join the rest of college football and, and get out there and uh, and really put our best foot forward on the recruiting trail because uh, with, of course, when Chris Kleiman took over uh, just about a week ago, he inherited a recruiting class that was in pretty rough shape, of course. Would with, you say it was bad? It was bad. Okay. Like bad, bad. Um, but with, with what he's done so far, he's dealt a very difficult hand. Uh, rivals believe ranked it, uh, somewhere around the hundredth recruiting class, 90th recruiting class, somewhere, uh, pretty down, pretty far down the list. And at this point in the game, you really just want to focus on keeping the guys that you have committed, stealing one or two, maybe from, uh, some other folks that have maybe undergone some coaching changes or, uh, you know, don't have room left in their class potentially, or you're just able to sway them with a new coaching staff, excuse me, um, and keep a hold of the guys that you have. Um, with that being said, of course, as we uh, bring this to you here live on the short side option, uh, K-State has uh, had a recruit flipped on him. Uh, Yahweh Judy, uh, linebacker out of Florida, uh, had visited Iowa over the uh, over the last week and has since committed to the Hawkeyes. So K-State loses one of their uh, probably more high – I believe they, uh, on rivals, was one of the more highly rated prospects and also uh, a player that, uh, you know, fans were intrigued about due to his uh, background, a rugby player as well. Mm-hmm. So right. uh, it, it kind of an interesting background there. But uh, Yahweh said no way. That's right. That's right. So a tough loss there for K-State. But at this time of the season, especially with coaching change, uh, really it, it's – it's kind of a crapshoot on on if you're going to be able to keep guys, and it's uh, there's no there's no battle that's won until the ink really dries on the dotted line. Yeah, and you know I just want to say something about you know this if I can get on my soapbox here and talk about these this generation, please. <laughs> there's no commitment anymore among these millennials yeah. out there. It's they just want the new. They, their attention spans aren't long enough. They just want the new shiny thing, and so. Wait a minute. Do they want? They want uniforms. They want. They want. To, they want whoever has the coolest, newest uniforms. Ugh. And uh, you know I'm what? Seething. It's just hearing that. I'm just tired of this millennial generation just flipping and being all willy nilly and not honoring their commitments. Now, soapbox over. Soapbox is over. But it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Your uh, your point is uh, is made with great emphasis, and uh, you know we thank you for that. So I I um, 
Well, hopefully, you know, if these people are going to, you know, not honor their commitments, so hopefully they at least commit to K-State after that. That's all. That's the only thing I can really add Yeah, if, if they're <laughs> If they're bound to determine on breaking their commitment to whatever university they're going to, they damn well better be going to K-State. Yeah, exactly. Or else, <laughs> or else they're just punks. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to flip and be some kind of weasel, then you better be flipping to K-State. That's right. Or get the hell out. That's right. Yeah, I can tell this struck a chord for you. It did. I've been wanting to say that for a long time. Well, and you, you I mean, is there anything else you, you got further? Um, not right now. It's all for now. But, okay. but maybe next week. Okay. Well, uh, we'll bring you know. Of course, next week uh, will be after signing day, and we'll uh, we'll of course uh, give an update on the K State recruiting class and if they're. Uh, able to maybe pick up a few more commitments uh, here as the early signing period uh, hits on Wednesday. So with that being said, Drew, we've looked here at kind of the first week of Chris Kleiman's, um, the climate era so far at K-State. What, uh, what stands out to you? Um, I guess also, too, North Dakota State has played a game since we last, um, since we last came to, uh, to our listeners here. We, we had the opportunity to watch that game. What uh, what did you see from North Dakota State, and kind of how would you grade Chris Kleiman's uh, first week on the job at K-State? Well, yeah, I watched some of that North Dakota State game. And it's it's they did what they always do. They pounded the rock uh, and dominated a team that wasn't as good as they are. And I think a lot of that credit goes to uh, Coach Kleiman. Um, as for his... Uh, as for his performance so far, it's kind of hard to judge. Yeah, it's, just because it's, it's like you mentioned earlier, he's just he's been out, uh, you know, beating the pavement uh, on the recruiting trail, which, as I mentioned, is refreshing to see uh, from a head coach to actually be active and prioritize recruiting. Um, so in that respect, it's I've been impressed with him. I don't. In terms of results, it's kind of hard to judge right now because we have we'll have a lot more probably yeah. to say here in the next 24, 24 hours. Or and so. and even if even if the results don't come this year, I'm not gonna really hold that against him just because he was dealt such a horrible hand left by the prior administration um, with regard to recruiting. But I think you know, I think I'm probably in the same camp as a lot of K State fans where. Initially, it was, you know, I hated the hire. I thought he was going to be in over his head. The gap was too wide. And to some degree, I think that the question marks, those question marks are all yeah, still those, there. Yeah, those question marks aren't going to be resolved until about a year or two after. Yeah. From now. Exactly. So. Unless, you know, he pulls a rabbit out of his hat next year and wins eight or nine games. But uh, it's, I think just the change is so... Just any change was going to be met with open arms from me and I think a lot of the K-State faithful because we've become so accustomed to this, you know, uh, concrete, emotionless enterprise that was K-State football. In fact, I saw somebody say on Twitter last week, and I thought it was a really smart observation. I forget who it was. But he said that K-State football had started to look like, uh, like a dictatorship because you had, like, this extreme strict nature, you know, extremely detailed, extremely regimented. You had the castle. You had uh, a statue out front. 
and it just it reminds you of like yeah this is kind of soulless uh and so that's a long way of me saying that i think Lyman's done a fine job so far i'm excited for what he's gonna bring uh but mostly i'm just excited because it's something different mm-hmm. and there's been lots of um lots of discussion in terms of you know what players current players uh, have have responded with in terms of of the new coaching change. They they seem to be more upbeat. Uh, I believe I've even seen things on on Twitter saying you know players saying it's time for a change and they're excited about the new direction. And I believe one I can't remember who it was maybe Jonathan Durham said we're excited to get back to having some fun. So I think well and I think do you think some of that might be because they think they might be getting new uniforms? We'll touch on that later. I I. I, I've got something for people there. Okay, I, that's 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 a different. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. That's you, all. That's all set. What do you make of the social media blitz uh, at a K State the last over the last week? You know, uh, folks have really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a hit. I don't care for. I don't care at all. I mean, it's they. I think it's great because I can I can recognize. Do you I, find it annoying? No, I don't find it okay. necessarily annoying, but it is a little bit like. It's a little bit eye-catching because you're not used to seeing this. You're like, what is going on? You're looking behind a curtain and it's like... Yeah, and you know, all this stuff was, was like you said, behind kind of the, the iron curtain, so to speak. And I think, you know, you see any other football program in, 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 in the nation, really. Not just a Power Five, but a any FBS program, and they're going out there and they're promoting their brand. They're giving folks uh, the access that, uh, that you know, folks want. And it's not even necessarily something that's like, oh, we're going to show you behind the scenes of our meetings, behind the scenes of that. So it's nothing really that, ev- or that you know, earth-shattering. It's just a simple look into doing some more fun stuff, which is fine and people love. It doesn't really matter to me at all, but... I can recognize that it's important for the fans and most importantly important for recruits. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's like the climate era has brought in the, you know, if it, going along with this, you know, Iron Curtain thing, it's the climate era has brought in Glasnost and Perestroika. I mean, listening to the fans, what the fans want, and kind of mm-hmm. opening the doors a little bit and providing some more transparency, which is also what the fans wanted. And so, um, I don't know. I, I think that the social media stuff... I'm kind of in your camp, uh, although I I kind of like seeing it, um, yep. just because to for my own curiosity and just sure. seeing like yeah, and I personally it does it's just a nod factor for me really, but I'm in the I realize I'm in a minority there when it comes to that. Yeah, well, and I think it's I think it's I think some of the branding stuff like people talk about oh the K State brand, yeah. you know I think that's overblown and kind of amorphous like I don't think when people talk about the K-State brand what are they really talking about but I can see how that's how you know for instance his speech to the players uh when he flew into Manhattan that night sure I can see how promoting that it could you know your crew could see that yeah and that's the type of stuff that they like to see and it's okay I can this guy is personable I can see myself playing for him absolutely whereas compared to Snyder you're lucky if you talk to him yeah. You're lucky if you heard him speak, I imagine. Um, and so it's it was so, so shrouded in mystery and but uh, I don't know. I so I'm I'm okay with it. I'm I think it's healthy. I think that 
so far he's doing all the right things, saying all the right things. Um, and so I've no as somebody who did not like the hire when it was made, I have nothing to complain about so far with Kleiman. Oh, I have nothing to complain about either. We're both in the same boat as we kind of expressed last week that wasn't our first choice, wasn't our second choice, wasn't probably even our third or fourth choice, but, I mean, this is where we're at. And I made the comment uh, to folks and uh, think it was pretty well received, uh, just, you know, with with people that taught K-State sports, that really at this point, K-State could have hired anyone, anyone off the street. And as long as that person said, hey, yeah, we're going to look at updating the uniforms, more on that in a second, Updating the uniforms, um, being more active on the recruiting trail, and we're going to give fans access that they haven't had through social media. If they would have said those three things, I think K-State fans would have been pretty darn pleased with whoever said that. Right, and and I get it, too, it's just, and it makes sense. Star- starving for change. Yeah, because you know why? Because those things are fun. Yeah. And that's ultimately what... This is College sports is supposed to be for fans. Fun. It's not, it doesn't have to be so damn serious. Like it was, like it was just this, you know, rigid thing. And so fans want to see that because it's fun and it's what we like. And maybe there is some. I mean, even giving the Snyder regime the benefit of the doubt and saying, well, there is some marginal. Uh, likelihood of success that you'll have if you shroud your program in secrecy and keep everybody out. Maybe that's true. But from a fan perspective, I'll take a, you know, quarter of a percent less likelihood of winning a game or something. If you just make it a little more fun to follow. It's, yeah, I, I totally agree with that because it is, you're playing a pretty... Cutting the salami a little thin there. Yeah, slicing it, it a little thin. Yeah, exactly right. So I um, I think that at the end of the day, been a two thumbs up of, of a first week for Chris Kleiman. Uh, but also at the same point, you can you, we can both agree that not much has really happened. But no. so far, everything's great. Any, any, co- any coach besides, like, Sean, probably. Any, any candidate besides... Sean Snyder or like somebody else super close to the tree would have been received this way. Yeah. Um, I think Jim Levitt would have had a little bit of a tough time. Probably maybe. not. I mean, maybe. if he comes in and just like swears <laughs> and just, and just <laughs> chugging Pepsi. Yeah. But, but I can see him of giving a rousing speech, but I don't think the opposition to Levitt was all that, there was all that more opposition to Levitt than there was Kleiman. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty maybe solid. there was, pretty but instantly, Kleiman came in, gave a speech to the players that was videoed, and that was it. People were sold on it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. Didn't take they for, forget everything, and I'm not blaming him for that. I don't yeah. think that's the wrong viewpoint or anything, um, because I was the same way. I was pretty impressed, but uh, I... Yeah. Yeah, but to to your point, so far so good. But he hasn't done anything, you know, really outstanding yet. Yeah, but he's only nothing, been on the job about a week and a half. Yeah, nothing tangible yet. But we're hopeful that there will be something. Can't here in, about, in about twenty four hours, once uh, once the fax machine starts rolling in. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, 
How crazy is it that the fax machine is really only used for faxing in letters of commitment or national letters of intent on National Signing Day? When was the last time you heard someone talk about a fax machine outside of National Signing Day? Oh, I, I fax my, my uh, stockbroker all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, I, I send him my orders and he faxes me back. Uh, I'm surprised you don't hear it. <laughs> My hearing isn't as good as it used to be. Yeah, but no, I bet... they don't fax anymore. They don't fax in letters of intent anymore, do they? I think they do. <laughs> When's the last <laughs> time you heard somebody talk about that's the, this? That's the, this is the only time I hear it say. Like, oh, what fa- year? There was a few years ago. Alabama had a live stream of a camera fixated on the fax machine. I'm dead serious. That's insane. Well, it's Alabama. That's so, true. So that's, that's uh, true. that should be a surprise to know. Scanners haven't quite made their way down to uh, Tuscaloosa yet. No, not quite. So uh, that'll really kind of wrap it up here for the football portion of the short side option. Drew, is there anything you'd like to add uh, that we haven't covered? Um, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, after this short break, we'll be on to Bruce. Hey, what about uniforms? Later. Okay. We, uh, uh, we got something later on that. So... After this uh, short little break, we'll be back talking Bruce on the other side on the short side option. It's the most wonderful time of the year. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the short side option where we are getting in to talking about our main man, the Scorpion, Bruce Weber and his band of Wildcats. Chris, you watch a game on uh, Saturday, is that correct? That is correct. Why don't you give me your take on uh, the Wildcats' performance against Georgia State? Well, there's lots to unpack here. So, uh, K-State came away 71-59 victors over uh, Georgia State, but it was a game that lost Dean Wade for for a while. Uh, no No firm timetable on that. I did see, you know, I've seen reports, uh, you know, talk, uh, from from Bruce even today, torn uh, ligament or something. Uh, a torn. I, I was under the impression of like a torn ligament. Yeah, I think that's what I saw. But they they. I mean, it's obviously a serious injury, but nothing that's deemed you know a for sure season ender. So it's frustrating. I've seen anywhere from like six to eight weeks, uh, which would put him. You know, back kind of in the about middle of February, early part of February, depending on kind of what that timetable is for sure. But yeah, definitely, you feel bad for Dean. You feel bad for the team. However, uh, K State's know knows that they can um, that they can move on with Dean Wade. Of course, they made it to the Elite Eight last year and were a game away from going to the Final Four. Uh, really, without having him much throughout the tournament, of course, did play a little bit in the game against Kentucky. But uh, no doubt, uh, anytime you lose. An all-conference player, uh, preseason player of the year in the conference, it's definitely a blow. Uh, but as as we you know look back at the game against Georgia State, a game that K State kind of get grabbed control early in the second half, but then uh, with the the Dean Wade injury, uh, Georgia State went on a nice little run, uh, even took the lead. Uh, with about 10 minutes or so left in the second half. And K-State had their hands full. This Georgia State team, as we highlighted uh, last last time on, on the show, goes on the road and beats Alabama and come from behind fashion. So 
no doubt a, a team that is not one to be slept on. But K-State played pretty well. Uh, Barry Brown showed uh, showed why he's an all, first-team all-conference type player, scoring 21 points, shooting the ball really well from outside, 4 of 5, uh, 8 for 10 uh, from the field. So in a, in a really efficient game uh, from Barry Brown. K-State shot the ball well from three, which is something they hadn't done all season. And with Georgia State playing uh, that kind of zone that they do, that was something that K-State needed. And uh, shot 12 of 26 for 46% from behind the arc. And ultimately, that was the difference. K-State didn't do a great job of holding on to the basketball. Uh, 19 turnovers, which anytime you turn the ball over nearly 20 times, uh, that is a recipe uh, for uh, for failure, but they were able to uh, also force uh, Georgia State into 17, so mitigated some of that. Uh, their carelessness, their own carelessness with the ball, with taking away from Georgia State. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that was a that was nice to see that K State was able to once the uh, Dean Wade injury happened. Of course, uh, Georgia State went on a run. Like I said, and not only did they get back into the game, but they effectively took kind of the life out of the crowd, life out of the whole building. Um, it, it was pretty apparent through the television that there was a, a, a wave of concern that has taken over about... A palpable concern. Palpable, palpable buzz about uh, concern uh, when it comes to uh, Dean Wade's health. And then, of course, uh, Kamal Stokes goes out uh, with an ankle injury uh, shortly thereafter. So two guys out of your starting lineup leave games with, with injuries that look... In Dean's case, more severe. Uh, Kamal, I believe I saw Bruce say that he expects him to be able to go uh, on Wednesday against uh, Southern Miss. So uh, K-State's a little bit shorthanded right now, and uh, Southern Miss is a team that uh, demands their Wildcats' respect. Uh, Lost a close one on the road in Wichita to the Shockers. So uh, former Big 12 face on the sideline for – Southern Miss with Doc Sadler, so I, I assume we'll get into them a little bit more uh, here in the show. But K State, I thought, uh, ratchet up the defensive intensity, turned the ball over, got some fast break points, and that really, uh, that and Barry Brown's performance really uh, kept Georgia State at at arm's length uh, once uh, they got it going back in the second half. Well, and you touched on this a little bit, uh, but how do you expect K State to uh, cope moving forward without Dean Wade? So I would expect to see more of a small lineup. You don't think they're just going to plug in Trice or uh, the Jeans man? No, I, I don't. I don't at all. I think uh, I'm looking here at the stats. Trice didn't even see the court against uh, Georgia State. Um, Stockard got a little bit of run, um, Not nine minutes for him. I expect to see a lineup that's going to be featured pretty small. Um, the lineup that you saw last year during the NCAA tournament, pretty much. So you would expect to see guys like uh, McGurl and Jada and maybe even Neil Williams uh, get some more minutes between the three of those guys? Yeah, I do. It, and I think I'm looking here at, at the minute breakdown against Georgia State. And uh, of the non-starters um, – Cartier Jada and Mike McGurl uh, had by far the most with 28 minutes for Jada and 20 minutes for McGurl. So I would expect to see something similar uh, to that going forward. I've seen those guys uh, have 
an already inc- with Jada, he's essentially playing almost starters minutes uh, for for most teams. But I I would expect to see him continue to uh, to get a, a lion's share of the minutes, and I would expect expect him to kind of slide into that starting lineup. Probably see. Um, I wonder if they'll if if Kamal will be available on um, on on Wednesday, but. Let's say he's not, then yes, I would expect to see uh, Sean Neal Williams also uh, get more than just the nine minutes he had against Georgia State. Well, you, you mentioned this, but looking ahead on Wednesday tonight, because today is Wednesday. That's right. Um, we have the doctor. We have the, the solid long-term hire himself, mm-hmm. Mr. Sadler and his Golden Eagles, coming in to the Fred. That's right. What do you know about Southern Miss? Well, Southern Miss is a team that's uh, projected about a middle-of-the-pack team in Conference USA. Uh, when you look at what they do, uh, the only thing that they really do well is, ho- is hold on to the basketball. They uh, turn the ball over um, the lowest amount of percentage times down the court, uh, the eighth most in the country. So that's pretty, pretty darn respectable. However, conversely, K-State uh, turns opponents over, percentage-wise, the ninth most in the country. So this is all via Ken Palm. So um, it's kind of a little bit of a matchup. This is a team that doesn't also have much size. You'd like to see uh, the bell cow uh, get in there and have a nice game down low. but uh, Eat some grass and clean some glass. That's right, baby. And uh, I expect to see K-State uh, win this game. K-State's uh, been... Instituted a 13.5-point favorite. With uh, with their current injury situation, I might stay away from it, but this is a game K-State is the better team at and should win. Uh, really, when you look at uh, Southern Miss, they play a pretty small lineup, but this is a team that has gone on the road and has uh, has beaten SMU, which is, is generally a, a pretty solid program out of the American. So a... a a team that definitely commands your respect lost, uh, took the lead actually late against Wichita State, but Wichita State was able uh, to get a couple baskets uh, down the stretch to edge them out 63-60. to But when you look at uh, Southern Miss, it, it's not a matchup that really, um, that really you know, scares you too much. They're not really playing too many guys. They're, they're, Biggest guy that plays much is Tim Rowe. He's 6'11", but he only plays about 18 minutes a game. So they're a smaller team, uh, which with uh, with Dean's injury and him not being available, uh, bodes well for us in terms of how we match up in, in terms of a size perspective with our what I anticipate to see a four-guard lineup. Well, just looking at Southern Miss's uh, scores this year, you, a couple that jump out, they won um, – 106 to 46 and 81 to 47 uh, back to back a couple weeks ago and so that's uh who are they playing in those games uh, they were playing um, a team called rust hmm. as in uh, the chemical reaction that happens to mm-hmm. your car sometimes sure and another team called Millsap is that in relation to either current NBA superstar Paul Millsap or uh, country music uh, icon, mm-hmm. Ronnie Millsap? Uh, it's Ronnie Millsap's uh, cousin. 
you know, I saw recently that Ronnie Millsap will be up at Prairie Band Casino uh, having a nice concert up there. Yeah, we should uh, we should go, uh, you know, be whales in Prairie Band and get some rooms comped and listen, watch a legend. Listen to uh, you. Know, my favorite Ronnie Millsap song is uh, "Stranger in My House." That's a, that's a great song for the listeners. How does that one go? Oh, you know, maybe we might see that on the other end of the break. Okay, great. What, what do you think about that, huh? <laughs> Something to look forward to. Okay. Keep but, Okay, it's nice to know that those scores shouldn't uh, impose too yeah, much fear. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too worried. <clears throat> and then looking ahead, uh, you know, here on the short side option, we don't like to look past opponents. Of course But not. the time has come where we have to. Uh, on Saturday night, here in Kansas City, the City of Fountains, uh, K-State plays Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a bit of a revenge game for K-State, especially K-State fans, because if you recall, in 2017, the Wildcats played the Commodores on the gridiron, mm-hmm. and we also beat them in basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot... I don't want to say that there's no love loss between I'll, these I'll two teams. Ahead. I'll go ahead and say there's bad blood. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I... I uh, I didn't want to use the term. I don't like use throwing around the term grudge match too often, but these two teams have met a lot, and this Saturday's game seems like it might be the final chapter in this rivalry. There's, um, you know, that's a great point there, D. Louis. There's a, um, there's part of me that is, part of me will always stay in Nashville. <laughs> After that fourteen to seven loss, yeah, uh, all, a, that, for all of us, that there's a part of me that will never be restored after that game, and I think I speak for many K State fans uh, when when I say that because I believe they feel the same way. Mm-hmm. So, of course, K State was able to exact some revenge uh, at Memorial Coliseum last season uh, with a win over the Commodores, but this Commodore team, uh, they're flying high off of a a win against uh, Arizona State. Earlier this week, an 81 to 65 drubbing of the Sun Devils at home. So, uh, you know, coming here to Manhattan or Manhattan to Kansas City, uh, they don't get uh, the the home court advantage that they enjoyed against Arizona State. Of course, with the the raised auditorium floor and the sideline or the uh, benches at, behind the basket rather than on the sideline. Yeah, one of the more unique college venues. More uh, unique. It's very unique. Yeah. Uh, how, about, how, do you, how do you like that, huh? I, I don't know how many times I have to tell you. Something is either unique or it's not. There's no varying degrees? It's one of a kind or it's not. That's very unique. It's extremely unique. Continue. So they, uh, but this is a, this is a team with, uh, with Vanderbilt that recruited extremely well, uh, one of the nation's top recruiting classes. Uh, Darius Garland, uh, unfortunately, uh, had to undergo season-ending surgery one of the top point guards in the country uh, in last year's recruiting class. So uh, Vanderbilt will be without him, uh, of course, on, on Saturday and also throughout the rest of the season. Uh, but Simi Shitu, top-rated recruit, actually from north of the border, believe it or not. Oh, really? We have a Canuck on the, uh, on the Commodores this year. Highly recruited player, probably going to be a one-and-done type talent at Vanderbilt. Uh, they also have uh, some guys... Tickled throughout this um, this this roster, Saban Lee, one of their is probably their go-to guard. Uh, a team that really is going to be an interesting team to watch throughout uh, Southeastern Conference play. Uh, 
Definitely going to be a team that will probably find themselves in and around the bubble all season. So a, a neutral site win over K-State would be something that uh, would be very beneficial to have come Selection Sunday for the Commodores. All right, Hikon, time to enter the hot seat. We have Southern Miss on Wednesday. How do you see that game going? Well, as I, as I said, I think Southern Miss, with the current state of K-State's situation in terms of injuries and in terms of, of roster, it's a pretty good matchup. Uh, you know, with Doc Sadler, they're going to play some tight defense, and they're going to be they're going to be pretty darn tough. Excuse me. However, this matchup bodes well for K State at home. I see K State winning this game relatively comfortably. Uh, I'm going to go something like 68 to. We'll go 68 52. All right. So, Actually, I, I back. I'm, I'm back on that. 68 57. Okay, I was going to say it seemed like. 68-57, Okay. And on Saturday, the blood match, the blood feud, Kansas State, Vanderbilt, Kansas City. Who do you like? Well, K-State has actually enjoyed some, uh, some success against uh, SEC teams in the Sprint Center. Of course, uh, many people remember uh, the 2012... The Florida game? Well, they that would have been 2013, but mm. in 2012, I believe... Uh, they beat a Alabama Crimson Tide team, um, led by Trevor Relaford of Bishop Meage uh, fame, brother of Travis Relaford, uh, of course, standout at KU. But uh, K-State's had success against uh, Alabama, of course, Florida, inside the Sprint Center. I see that trend continuing of SEC dominance by the Wildcats in the Sprint Center. I like the, I like the Cats uh, to win this game. Uh, against the Vanderbilt Commodores, 75 to 68. All right. So you heard it here. K-State will continue its dominance not only <coughs> over SEC opponents in the Sprint Center, but also against teams that wear yellow or gold and black. That's correct. And I think that might be an X factor on Saturday. It's I something think, to watch. I think your uh, predictions are spot on. Um, anything to add about Bruce and his uh, Wildcats? You know, nothing really too much to add. Uh, I will say, and I'm going to continue to beat this drum, but with K-State's current roster limitations, you might see folks with two fouls playing in the first half and not just being uh, quarantined to the bench just due to the the lack of bodies that we have that we can really uh, feel comfortable putting in the game. But until I see it happen, I'm not going to hold my breath. So we'll uh, we'll be sure to monitor that uh, going forward. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And we will also come back after this break with our segments Wildcat Legend and this week's edition of Ask the Icon. After the break on the short side option. There's a stranger in my house. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option, where we are about to introduce to you this week's Wildcat Legend. An icon this week's Wildcat Legend is a man hailing from the state of Nevada. He's number 34, the big man with the sweet hook. I'm talking about Matt Seabrandt. And uh, Matt Seabrandt attended Galena High School. He uh, 
committed to the running rebels, UNLV. Oh, you, oh Nevada, Las Vegas. That's right. Okay. Uh, and uh, you know he only played in two games as a freshman for the running rebels. Uh, before receiving a medical red shirt and sitting out the rest of the season with an injury. Uh, after that, he took his talents to the College of Southern Idaho, uh, played for the oh. Eagles, led by uh, Coach Derek Zeck. He averaged 15 <laughs> points a game with seven rebounds and was named Region 18 MVP after leading the Eagles to uh, the JUCO National Tournament and. If you remember, Region 18 was just loaded that year uh, with talent. Sure. Um, but then he went and played... As, as they often are. They often... I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, then he went and played for Coach Woldridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, he was a pretty good player for K-State. Uh, his first year at K-State, his... Uh, what was technically his sophomore year, he averaged 9.7 points per game. Uh, brought in, oh, about four and a half rebounds a game. Uh, sophomore year, or I'm sorry, his next year, he averaged 7.9 points a game. In his senior year, he had 11 points per game. Uh, had a career high of 24 points at Wichita State uh, during his sophomore season, um, which is a performance I think you and I absolutely remember. Sure. Uh, and an yeah. interesting thing about Matt Seabrandt, uh, everybody remembers his sweet left-handed baby hook shot. Everyone does. Uh, yeah. It's a it was a staple of K State basketball uh, throughout his time here. But he shot jump shots and free throws right-handed. Wow, that speaks to his versatility. How do you like that? Well, Drew, I love it, and just want to mention a, a few things here about Matt Seabrand, if, if I could, D. Louis. Uh, Matt Seabrand, when he was at uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV. He played with a NBA All-Star there, the Matrix, Sean Marion. Oh, wow. So that bit of insight, you're only going to find that here on the short side option, folks. Absolutely. And uh, as we wrap this week's segment up, uh, just to note, Matt Seabrandt got stabbed uh, his first year at K-State. <laughs> Welcome to Manhattan. <laughs> That's right. Where, d- uh, do you happen to know uh, the location? Uh, you know, I don't, I think it may have been at Johnny Cause. Silverado. It's had to be Silverado's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it was at that, uh, the, um, Long John Silvers. Yeah. Wanted a few more hush puppies and <laughs> didn't, didn't get his wish. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, a tragic episode there for Matt Seabrandt, but he certainly, uh, bounced back from that, had a storied career at K-State under Coach Wooldridge. And is now this week's Wildcat Legend. Chris, we are going to get into our final segment of the show. A segment we affectionately call Ask the Icon. And I'll remind listeners that they can submit their questions to the short side options. Very young Chris the Icon Sork. By tweeting at us at TSSO underscore podcast. Or using the hashtag Ask the Icon. Or texting us or sending us postcards or, or doing whatever they like. Um, we'll get into our first question here, uh, submitted by listener Joby Kinney, at jkinney1987. Long-time question asker, ostensibly a long-time listener as well. Yes. Uh, he asks, 
Icon, what was your favorite non-K-State team to play with in NCAA football's Dynasty Mode? Did you ever play NCAA football? Did I ever play NCAA football? Yes, I, I, I you know, uh, to answer Joey's question, I still have NCAA football to this day, and I have quite the dynasty going with Kansas State, but in terms of dynasties, I never really had a dynasty going that was not Kansas State. So I can't answer that part of the question because it never really occurred. You're too however, emo. However, I often did play with other teams, whether uh, playing with uh, you know friends or whatever uh, on the Xbox. And my team that I often like to play with in NCAA football uh, 2013 was LSU. Very good with LSU. Very good defense. Uh, in 2014... Typically, I would play either Oregon, Ohio State, or Florida. I'd also play with Florida. I'd also play with Texas, too. But uh, if I make load here for a moment. Please. uh, I did win uh, the Frat League NCAA Football 14 title uh, at Kansas State. And I will also say I it's really the end of the era because that's the last game that was created. So I am the reigning. I'll go ahead and say it. I am the greatest NCAA football player in Kansas State history when it comes to the NCAA football video game franchise. Yeah, I think that that's uh, undisputed. I think the reigning defending. No one else has won the frat uh, NCAA football title since. And... I've got a title. I've got a, my reign on the title has now gone over four years. So congratulations! Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a great deal. <clears throat> All right. Our next question uh, comes from listener David Sabin at Sabination. He says over under twenty six wins for Les Miles at Kansas. I will go under that. Uh, I think I'll go under that by a pretty wide margin. So he's the number was twenty six. Twenty six. Well, I guess let's first start out. How long do you expect Les Miles to be coach at Kansas? Less than six years. So five years. I'd say yeah. We'll, we'll say at the, at the far end. I would say if they get six years out of Les Miles, I'd be pretty surprised by that. So six years. Is he going to average? If he stays there for six years and. Which I don't think is likely. I think it's more likely like four, probably. Four or five. So let's say he stays there for five years. So in, in the 26 is the number. So five, and if he wins five games a year, which that'd be pretty tough. That's 25. Let, let, me, phrase it, let, me, let me rephrase the so, question, if, okay. I, if I may. And uh-huh. I don't want to step on uh, Saban Nation's toes here. How many wins does Les Miles get at Kansas? What would you set the line at? Uh, I w- if I was setting the line, I would set it at about 23. So I'm, I'm going to go under, because I think he'll coach for four or five years. And I think this year he's going to have a really tough time having much success. And so I, I expect them to go maybe three and nine, four and eight at best. And I see it being a rarity that 
they're hitting five wins or six wins. So I'd say I'd say they get to a bowl game one time under his under his direction. Uh, but I think you're going to see more four and five win seasons uh, in there more than you're seeing the six win seasons. So I would set it at about we'll say four wins his first year, four wins his second year. We'll say six wins his third year. Oh, wow, you have getting the Jayhawks back to bowl eligibility. Yeah, we'll say he gets to one bowl game, and then the next year he wins four again. So that's... That's 18. 18 wins. So, and then he sticks around for maybe another year. And wins throws, five. Throw, throws five, so that's <laughs> 23. So, yeah, I don't really see... Uh, 26 is a good number, but I, I would go under on that. All right, Saban Nation asked a, uh, an additional question. He asks, Icon, can you confirm that the reason you don't like talking about uniforms is because you're so proud that Snyder took our current iteration from your beloved Dallas Cowboys? Could you read that one for me one more time, just so I make sure I, I understand all that's encompassed in this question? Sure. Can you confirm that the reason you don't like talking about uniforms is because you are so proud that Snyder took our current iteration from your beloved Dallas Cowboys. No, that's not the reason. The reason why I don't like talking about uniforms is because it's stupid. Talking about uniforms is lame. You see all these people talking about uniforms all the time. You think they're trying to audition to be an associate at Nordstrom. Talking about fashion all the time. Give me a break. The current uniforms are very nice. If they, if they get some extra uniforms, that's fine. But everyone needs to stop talking about it. Everybody shut up about uniforms. Exactly. No more. You know, I think that kind of goes along with that millennial stuff we were talking about I think, earlier. I think you might have been onto something there. I really do. Everybody's so focused on Glitz how and they glamour. look. And yeah. they're trying to take selfies out on the field. Yeah. Not worried about their assignments. Not worried about executing a nice combo block and getting up to the second level. That's, that's now, the wide receivers are too busy worrying about white pants and matte black helmets instead of downfield blocking. Which is where their head should be. That's exactly right. Okay. So I, I had my moment to vent there, so thank you for allowing me to do that. DeLuia as well as uh, Saban Nation there. Yeah. Appreciate that. I understand. Um... We'll move on. Uh, our next question comes from listener Brett Henning at Brett W. Henning. Uh, this is a question that's appropriate for the season. Oh, okay. Brett asks, what's the best Christmas present you've ever received? Ooh. Okay. I have two answers. Okay. Best present I ever received is I received a pet cat. Oh. <laughs> when I was probably in first, second grade. What was the cat's name? Um... I named it JJ. Did it? Did those initials stand for anything? No, I just liked it. <laughs> was it J A Y J A Y? Was this a just, Homer no, J Simpson situation? J J. <laughs> okay. Um, and I also, uh, but and we've actually discussed this exact topic, uh, just sitting around the apartment, and we both agree. Whenever we unwrap the N sixty four, that was a. Pretty big moment. That was a pretty special moment. Pretty special moment. Pretty big moment there. And then Jason Saban uh, at Jabo Saban. Oh, we get. I wonder if he's related to 
Nick? Yeah, see, think he's related to Nick? Saban? Nah, I, I doubt it. Do you think he's maybe related to that other character? Who? That Saban Nation guy? Never heard of him. Never heard, ne- never heard of him. Uh, Jason asks, what is the worst Christmas present you've ever received? Ooh. <laughs> I can't, I'm 90% sure that it was a Christmas gift. 99% sure almost, but I'm not 1000% sure, but I'm pretty sure. And I gave my mom a hard time about this, but she got me some floor mats for my truck. And I was like, Mom, I, the floor mats I have in here are perfectly fine. Why do you? They were K-State floor mats, too. That's sense, sensible. A sensible gift. Yeah. And she was like, well, if you don't like them, I can just return them. And I was like, you might want to do that. <laughs> she returned them? Yeah, she did. So, Mom, this Christmas gift sucks. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I was, of course, appreciative. Take them back. Of the gift. However, I was just like, I don't need these. I have floor mats already. They're perfectly fine. Besides, you know, I don't have, there's a little bit of part of me here that, you know, I mean, guys, no one's a bigger K-State fan than me. I mean, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. You're, that's why they call you the icon, man. And, but, you know, putting your feet, getting mud on the power cat, it's, it's, it's kind of a little sacrilege. It's, it's a little like, uh, old glory. You know what I mean? That's right. You know, you you can't let that power cat hit the ground. No, and I'd be stepping on it and getting mud on it, and getting dirt on all that stuff. But don't you think that's kind of the K State mentality, man? We're not all glitz and glamour. We're we're all grind, no shine, baby. And so maybe the power cat's supposed to be a little sullied. And that's why everyone needs to stop talking about uniforms. Exactly. So maybe maybe I did maybe I just didn't see the bigger picture. How, maybe, maybe that's what it was. How old were you when you got these floor mats? I was in college. No. So I was like, you know, 20. So maybe in your in your youth, you just didn't quite see the... I, maybe I didn't. Maybe, I, maybe it was... Maybe it, the floor mat should be the best gift I ever received. And the idea of a K-State floor mat for your truck, that's pretty... It's, pretty, it's a pretty K-State gift. It's very emo. Maybe, I just, maybe I'm completely wrong in this. But I'm going to stick to my answer in the interest of time. And uh, that, uh, that's, what about you though? What's the, wor- what's the worst and best gift you've ever got? Uh, the best gift I ever got was a uh, subscription to Sports Illustrated when wow. I was four years old. Wow. I just wanted to start reading about sports and, yeah. and reading some of the, the best and brightest scribes uh, that our generation. And that's why you so, that's why you so articulately you know, still grind on sports stories to yeah. this day. Well, in the next year, I asked for a subscription to PowerCat Illustrated so I could start reading. I, I, I remember hearing a lot about this uh, long-form feature writer that was just, you know, an, a real, an icon. and a wordsmith. A wordsmith. And I, I had to get my hands on that stuff. And so that, yeah, that's... Actually, the, that PI subscription is the best gift I ever got. Um, as for the worst Christmas gift I ever got, I think it was a uh, probably an ant farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking back at, at the time, I was probably pretty jazzed about it. But looking back, it's like here's a bunch of I hate ants. <laughs> yeah. Here's a bunch of bugs for your room. <laughs> here's a bunch of bugs that'll stay in this case. <laughs> yeah, stay in this. Knock cage. yourself out, kid. <laughs> yeah. Just observe in silent awe is. The ants move dirt around. And they plot your demise. Yeah. Um, How they're going to bite you. 
Yeah, luckily they... Uh, they well, and it was pretty wild, too, because they they ordered this ant farm uh, online. Or through, like, a catalog or something. Of course. But sure. it was, like, a mail order. Yeah, yeah. And the way they get... The logistics of shipping ants that are alive. Think about that. You know what they do? They freeze them. Oh, no kidding. They freeze them. I'll bet. And then... So you dump out these ants. You you get the ants. Are and they you, like you, packaged separately? They're packaged separately. Wow. And so you put the ants in the in the ant farm, and for like the first day, they're just like gifts. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're you're waiting there. You're so excited for this gift of you know dirt, <laughs> of sand and <laughs> insects. Yeah. And you you're jazzed out. All right, let's open up this gift. And then you put it in, and then you start. You're all excited to watch it, but really, these ants are just been the first day waking yeah. up. All right, guys, gotta. It's kind of like Han Solo. Yeah, when he was in, encased in, in carbonite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, I, I guess in that very, respect, it, those similar. ants were a lot like Han Solo. But no, that those are. So I'm going to go with a uh, Power Cat Illustrated best gift. The best gift I ever got set me down this path, um, exposed me to some uh, excellent long form writing. Yep. For, and uh, Ant Farm. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. So that'll do it for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, we thank you for listening. And we also would like to extend a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of our listeners on the Short Side Option. Uh, Drew, is there anything you'd like to say to the folks out there? I just hope this uh, Christmas season is full of joy and wonder and uh, peace on earth for all our listeners. Well, I think that's very eloquently said, D. Louie. And uh, we thank you guys uh, for listening to the Short Side Option Podcast. Maybe you listen to this on your drive home to loved ones. Or maybe you just listen to it, uh, you know, busting out some reps at the gym. Uh, that's up to you guys. But sitting in the bathtub. Sitting in the bathtub, taking a, taking a nice soak. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave it on that term. But uh, thanks for listening to the Short Side Option. We'll be back uh, sometime probably in the, we'll take the next week off. Uh, but following that, as we usher in the new year, you'll be listening to a new episode of The Short Side Option. Thanks for listening, and go Cats. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.